HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. This week on Meet and 3, we're exploring food for the eyes, how the art and culinary worlds collide. It's incredibly elaborate. It's a feast for the eyes, a banquet dinner with garnished ham, turkey, and an array of accompaniments. We shot uh, baguettes with like paint dripping off of them with the blue, white, and red from the French flag. Oh, what did the student tell me? They said, the camera eats first. And it's so true. It's so true. Tune in to Meet in 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to HRN Happy Hour. It's 5 o'clock somewhere, and somewhere is Bushwick. I am not Kat Johnson. She is gallivanting around the South today without us, and we miss her very much. I'm Hannah Forden, HRN's program manager, and here with very special co-host, HRN's special projects coordinator, Dylan Hoyer. That's right, and I'm just climbing the ladder here at HRN Happy Hour. I've been on the show once before, and now the host, so it's perfect. point of pride. It's destiny. <laughs> um, and we're really excited to welcome our guests this week um, from Casamara Club, Jason Lavalla and Erica Johnson. And Casamara Club is a non-alcoholic Amaro beverage. They're based in Detroit, and we can't wait to learn more about what's in the beverage and where their journey has taken them. Um, but first, we have a few announcements. Dylan, do you want to tell us about an upcoming Tasty event happening? Absolutely. Jimmy Carboni is the host of Beer Sessions Radio here on HRN, and he was also a guest on last week's Happy Hour. He's planning a new and very original food and spirits festival, spotlighting Pozole and Mezcal on Saturday, February 29th in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. And it's called Bowl of Zole. It'll feature top chefs, including Cosme Aguilar from the Michelin star restaurant Casa Enrique, along with more than 15 Mezcal importers. So you can learn more and get your tickets at www.bowlofzole.com. Yeah, and if anyone's ever been to a Jimmy Carvone event before, you know that it is full of lots of delicious food and lots of delicious drink and lots of cool people, so don't miss it. Um, Let's move on to headlines. (laughs) 
This week on the feed feed, Jeremy Jacobowitz, um, who is one of the brunch boys. Um, and if you're not familiar, they are some of the top kind of foodie influencers on Instagram right now. Um, so they joined Jake and the rest of the feed feed team to discuss all things social media, um, covering growing a following and keeping a community engaged to how content and audiences vary between Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. And as someone who knows nothing about any of these things, I recommend you listen to it. Absolutely. This week on The Farm Report, Lisa Held interviewed the president of the Glenwood Center for Regional Food and Farming, Kathleen Finley, about strengthening strengthening regional food systems in the Hudson Valley and beyond. Kathleen shares with Lisa how the center's programs apply to national food system issues like a new pilot program to help low-income families access CSA memberships and one bringing together women leaders in regenerative agriculture. And we love Glenwood. They were um, super helpful when Dylan and I were working on Hardcore. Um, They're really big champions for local cider makers and farmers in the Hudson Valley. Um, So everyone should check out their work. They're awesome. And listen to Hardcore. Yours, yours truly. Definitely. Oh, can I share something fun? Please do. This week was my birthday, and my sister is far away, so she didn't get me anything. But as a remote gift, she collected all her friends' phones and wrote us reviews to just blow it up. So, little known fact. See it rising yeah. on the charts. <laughs> so Dylan and I worked together on a cider-focused show called Hardcore that came out this fall. Um, and little known fact to all of you guys listening, um, writing reviews on podcasts is like one of the biggest and most impactful ways that you can help other people discover the podcast that you love. So you might think that, you know, there's some huge grand marketing scheme, but believe it or not, what really bumps shows up in the podcast charts are reviews and ratings. Um, So show all of your favorite shows on HRN and elsewhere a little bit of love and it'll help new listeners find them and enjoy the content. Um, And one more headline for you today, Um, award-winning cookbook author Derek Goldstein talked with multiple shows on the network about her newest cookbook, Beyond the North Wind, Russia in Recipes and Lore. So you can listen to Dara in multiple perspectives um, from A Taste of the Past, Inside Julia's Kitchen, and coming up later this evening, Eat Your Words. Um, And I had the pleasure of meeting Dara today, and she is just a font of knowledge and an absolute delight. Um, And she knows so much about food history in Russia and beyond. So check out her book, listen to those episodes. They're wonderful. Okay, I think it's time we shift gears and talk to Jason, Erica. So what do we have in front of us? Let's talk through your line. Okay. And um, what flavors are represented? Oh, so that's like, it's kind of a fun question because one of the things that we sort of realized early on is that these flavors are almost by design really difficult to describe like unless you Mm. have sort of a deep familiarity with the world of Amaro and Aperitivi and all of that stuff um which makes it kind of fun for us to like find the the sort of people that seek us out or the sort of people that are like oh yeah that's like that's my thing. That's my weird thing that I didn't think anybody else cared about. Um, well, especially so, in a non-alcoholic category, it's really nice to like be able to test those totally. flavors out. But I also feel like I'm, you know, we're in a safe space for that right now. So, um, yeah, I, I would say, so we usually start tasting with capo um, because that's kind of the easy, mellow one. Um, and that one was like sort of loosely inspired by, um, Alpine Amaro. Some Mm. of those like sort of mountain botanicals, a lot of like chamomile and peppermint, um, some mandarin orange. It's very, 
I always like how Erica describes it. How do you describe it? Um, well, it reminds me of camping a little mm. bit. Um, oh. It's really soothing, and it actually stands up really well to spicy foods because you've got that peppermint backbone that just really... It's in the honey also has got like a coating quality to it. Um, so it's my favorite for like curry or Thai food. Ooh, yum. Yeah. Um, and then do you want to just sort of summarize the other flavor profiles that you guys have going? There are four bottles in front of us, so this is the full... Yes. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So um, the next one that we usually like to do is Onda. Um, that one is sort of Sicilian-inspired. We were looking a lot at, like, there's actually, like, a specific uh, afternoon. It was a Friday uh, <laughs> sitting at a bar, um, and I ordered an Averna and soda, and I just sort of had this experience of, like, I was really getting the sage off of the Averna and those sort of like like herbaceousness from it. Um, and yeah, it ended up being like our definitely our weirdest one, um, which I think is why it's my favorite um, in, in large part. Um, it's yeah, I don't think people really expect sage in a in a soda. Um, and it still kind of takes me by surprise mm. sometimes. Ooh, that's exciting. Yeah. I to taste it. Um, and so are all of the, are all of these inspired by, um, specific, specific Amari or are some of them like your own concoctions entirely? Kind of, sort of. Um, I would say, let's see. Um, yeah. So Capo, I was sort of looking at two different, like Mountain Amaro, um, Braulio, Vecchio Amaro del Capo, sort of thinking about the way that those like. I mean, they're from the north and the south, and in some ways, they're they're nothing alike. But they have like a few sort of touchstones that each has in common, and so this was kind of a bringing together of those. Um, I think Onda. I uh, was thinking more about Averna. Sarah is kind of a fun one. It's um, it's like loosely. There's a um, a bar that I love in Detroit called uh, Grey Ghost that infuses their Aperol with cinnamon. Ooh. And it's delicious. I'm not usually um, much of an Aperol guy, but when you sort of add that, like, bitter, like, almost woody depth to it, um, I don't know, it really comes alive for me. And so that's kind of what Sarah was inspired by. And then Alta um, is, is kind of a Negroni. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's backtrack while we sip on our Onda. So you guys are based in Detroit. Um both of you came from worlds outside of the food and beverage industry. Um, I would love to hear, Jason, kind of what your aha moment was when you decided that this was something you wanted to pursue. Yeah. Um, so the aha moment was a, I think it was a Friday morning in July of 2017. What time? Uh, That's specific. You know what? I was, I was late to work. Um, so it may have been like 9.30 or 10 by then. Um, yeah. So let's, let's say that. There was sort of a nice light coming in. Uh, <laughs> and, um, I, oh, it was um, a friend of mine had been out with a friend of hers, and um, that friend wasn't drinking and ordered bitters and soda. And I had been drinking bitters and soda. I had been sort of making Amaro. Um, but for some reason in that moment, I finally like put together this idea of like, oh, I could do bitters inspired by Amaro, put that 
in a bottle with soda, and that sounds like something that I would really, really like. Um, and it's been kind of crazy to see that other people like it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, just drinking it right now, even just smelling it, right? you don't normally smell something that's non-alcoholic with this profile at all. And I, as soon as I sort of stuck my face in to drink, yeah. it just like really captivated me and... Yeah, I really like it. Thank you. Yeah, that's the aromatics are so important to us because that's, I mean, I can't pick up anything anymore without smelling it mm. and sort of knowing that like, <laughs> like that's how I think a lot of, um, a lot of my friends who really care about what they eat and where their food comes from and all of that, like it always starts with your nose. Mm. Um, and so just making sure that we were like, that's part of the reason that we don't use any sort of call them synthesized natural ingredients. We just use like real natural ingredients um, because I just think they smell better. Um, They're a little bit more dynamic. They're a little weirder. They're a little harder to control in some ways. And that's sort of what makes them fun and a little bit more lively, I guess. Um, And what was the process like figuring out how to turn this idea from an idea into reality? Like how did you figure out how to make... Amaro inspired soda. It took forever. Um, <laughs> Did you try in your own kitchen first? Yeah, it started in my kitchen. Um, and it, like, after months of that, and I finally sort of came up with an at home recipe. And then I started looking around at, like, how do I get this into a bottle now? And it occurred to me that just, like, with like, I just wasn't going to be able to do that at home. Um, and so I didn't really have the money to open up my own facility. And so I started looking around for, like, is there anybody out there who are making sort of, like, food-grade extracts and not sort of those, like, natural flavors, quote-unquote? Um, and it took so long because the entire industry is built around this idea that people don't really care. Uh, about the difference between, like, say, a natural flavor, which is, say, made to taste like somebody's idea of an orange, as opposed to just, like, let's just take the orange and see what comes out Mm. of it. Um, And so, yeah, it took almost almost a year um, just to find people that we could work with. Um, Yeah, it was a lot of of just calling friends, friends introducing me to people, um, like slowly sort of branching out into this world that I really didn't understand at all. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it was, I mean, that's part of the reason that I moved to Detroit. I I just didn't feel like I could afford to live here while I took my time trying to figure something out, so. That's really interesting. I'm wondering what piqued your interest about the world of non-alcoholic beverages, if it was a personal choice or obviously it's sort of a growing cultural trend to drink less we just finished what many people did was dry january did that influence your decision at all you know it definitely like reinforced my decision um but i really just i thought i was gonna start making amaro i thought i was gonna become like an amaro producer um but especially around like Around then, like 2017, I think the sort of American Amaro producers were really starting to come into their own. um, And I just didn't feel like I had anything interesting to say. Um, And so this was another, this was like my cheat, my way of like, I can make (laughs) Amaro-ish, but do it in a way that like is a little bit new and 
I mean, I just like it as a an afternoon drink when I'm not ready for a real drink, like that sort of thing. That was really where it came from of like, like, how do I how do I get a soft drink that tastes as good as the stuff that I'm going to be drinking, you know, two or three hours later? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think like having like non-alcoholic drinks that aren't necessarily like that are adult. There's there's not a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's been a growing market. It's really yeah. great that like so many other people are, are starting to. I don't know, just wake up to this idea that like not everybody wants to drink all the time. I mean, I'm even drinking a lot less now and it's so nice to be able to walk into most like, I don't know, most bars and restaurants that are really like taking their work seriously right now are taking their non-alcoholic program seriously. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so nice to just not have to worry about that anymore. So Erica, when did you join the Casamara team and, and what was it that brought you in. I think you're, you were just talking before that, like you are a uh, staff member number two of two. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what drew you in? Um, so Jason and I have been friends now for almost a full decade. Nice. Um, and I think you were, you were in town for a birthday. That sounds right. Um, I was at Italy at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was sort of planning my exit. Um, and you just sold your first case um, and it just kind of honestly was like a, like a fate timing thing. Yeah. Um, not to get too like woo woo the stars. <laughs> um, I totally believe in that stuff. Yeah. But we, this project feels like an aligning of, of both of our interests. Um, both in that we like love the, the regional like specificity that um, Italian Amaro um, sort of encapsulates like the idea of it and want to be able to like recreate that in a product here in the US. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really excited about where we're headed. Have both of you or either of you spent much time in Italy? I, uh, I've been twice and I'm going for my third time tomorrow. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Breaking news. <laughs> That's exciting. Um, yeah, so I haven't spent a ton of time there, but like, it's just, it's always calling me back. Um, yeah. And what will you do while you're there on this trip? Will there be Amaro themed outings? So I'm going to Modena, um, which is right near the Montenegro. Um, I, I think it's their headquarters. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not even sure if I'm going to go there. I, I think I'm just going to wander around and eat um, cheese and ham and, and maybe have some Lambrusco. Um. <laughs> I have a suggestion for you. Okay. So um, a few weeks ago, I was in San Francisco for Good Food Mercantile and the Good Food Awards. We've been like longstanding media partners with them. Yeah. Um, and some of our friends who run Gustiamo, which is an Italian specialty food distributor here in New York, um, the owner of Gustiamo connected me with a balsamic vinegar maker from Modena who makes very, very traditional balsamic vinegars that are incredible. Like you can sip on them. They're aperitifs. Um, and you can, I can, I would be happy to connect you with Mariangela, who's the owner of this company is called La Caldanon. And they've been making balsamic vinegars for generations and they're insane. I mean, honestly, I think it'd be a really interesting collaboration. I mean, working with vinegar yeah. is, I think, something that we, yeah. we both really want to do and, and trying to figure out, like, 
how does that fit into the, Great. I don't know, the world and the story okay. that we're telling. Well, stay okay. tuned for I'm more in. collaborations. Yeah. Great. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, so I want to talk about branding because I spent a while like digging deep into your website and, um, Obviously, with like packaged goods that are in this specialty price point in the specialty category, what is on the bottle makes such a huge difference. Because um, obviously, like there are a lot of fancy sparkling beverages, whether they're um, you know boozy seltzers or not boozy seltzers. Um, so, how do you stand out in that category? Um, and talk to me about the branding because it's really beautiful. Yeah, I mean that was a question that we asked ourselves a lot as sort of all of this was coming together. And I, I was lucky enough to connect with um, this guy named uh, Mike Van Hall. Um, he li- he designs a lot of labels, um, and at the time, um, his sort of primary focus was craft beer labels. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always loved the fact that his labels stood out on the shelf to me. Um, and so when we started working together, um, I think he spent a lot of time looking at what do, what do most sort of soft drinks look like? And they're usually in a clear bottle. They usually have a lot of information on the front. They're telling you not just like how many calories and grams of sugar and all this stuff. They're also trying to like hook you with some kind of health benefit or like, this is how we're going to fix you sort of vibe. (laughs) Um, And so we decided to go the opposite way. Like, I think there was a version of this that could have been like bitters and soda. Like it's good for your gut health, which was, that was gut health was really in at the time. Um, And I'm glad that we didn't like, like hitch our wagon to that because I don't, people don't really talk about gut health anymore. <laughs> it's, it's still out there. I guess people care about it. Um, but I, I like the fact that we kind of just wanted to go image first, um, sort of give people the, the idea that there was some story um, and, and then let them figure out what that story was for themselves. And there is something of the kind of like mid-century Italian yes. aesthetic going on, yeah. which make sense with the product too. We looked at so yeah. many like old travel posters and, and even movie posters from sort of the fifties and sixties and um, like everything from sort of like Swiss airline posters to like Italian, like come to this town on the coast sort of. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's really sort of where all of that imagery and, and even the names and this idea that we're sort of, hopefully maybe transporting you to a place came from. And what has the response been? Have people reached out with their reactions and what kind of places are you selling it in also? Um, well, that's a fun question. Um, so I'd say the, I mean, the response from the, say the general public is like, what is this? What do I do with this? <laughs> what is it for? Um, and, What's been really nice is that we've been able to partner with sort of these, these, we've got a, like a small network of sort of craft beer and natural wine distributors who I think really just intuitively understand what this is and have been able to sort of really just get us into the kinds of places that we would want to spend our time in each of the cities where we're sold. So everywhere from, you know, the kind of like high end cocktail bars where this is just like an easy like pop it open pour it in a glass with a garnish and now you've got like a mocktail that's not too sweet um then there are like provision shops the kind of places where you go to like maybe discover something new and just like find out about a new cheese that you didn't know that you needed in your life um where else those are the probably the two big ones right 
Yeah. Um, I would say specialty shops are, are, are like, probably our best accounts. Do you want to say bread and butter? <laughs> they're your bitters and soda. They're, they're our bitters and soda. <laughs> yeah. And what areas of the country are you selling in? Um, New York City, Chicago, right. LA, San Francisco, Detroit. Um, oh, cool. So all over. Yeah. You yeah. don't have to deal with all the liquor laws, which is all, <laughs> yeah. such a perk. It's, it's so nice to be like part of that world without having to mm-hmm. file any of the paperwork. Um, yeah, it's a nice little, nice little palette. <laughs> and so are you both based in Detroit now? Did you both relocate or, or are you still here? I'm still here. You I are. actually live down the road. I oh, awesome. Here. Neighbor. Because <laughs> um, I'm so curious to hear about the food scene in Detroit because like you said, like there is, it's really hard to get a new business off the ground in New York. The overhead is insane. And so small cities like Detroit, like really exciting things are happening there. So what are you excited about in Detroit in this space. Oh wow. Um so I think like in terms of of like probably my my favorite bar in the whole world uh is this little wine bar slash record shop. Um and I think what I love so much about them, other than the fact that like I mean there was one time I went in there and I saw somebody drinking like they had a wine glass and this like really beautiful, lightly sparkling, kind of maybe turbid white wine. I was like, what is that? That looks delicious. And they were like, oh, it's this soda. Have you heard of it? And it was, it was my soda. Uh, <laughs> it was the Onda, I believe. Yeah, it was the Onda. Um, but like, they, they just do such a great job of um, curating a selection that's not just like, like, yeah, they've got like sort of the, the Pinot Noir that I want on like, you know, a cozy Thursday night. They also have just like the weirdest, um, you know, Jura, um, Sherry and, and that sort of thing. Um, but then they also do a really great job of championing local producers. And like Michigan's got a really exciting uh, wine scene going on right now. Um, so, yeah, it's a uh, it is it's a really cool place to be right now. There's a lot of energy towards just like food and like the sense of place and where it's coming Mm -hmm. from and and really supporting local nice yeah um well we might take a quick break um and then let's come back and sample the last two remaining bottles and we can hear a little bit more about um what's inside of them that sounds good okay This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. 
You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Welcome back to HRN Happy Hour. We are sipping on delicious, non-alcoholic, Amaro-infused sparkling water made by our friends at Casamara. Um, and we are here with Jason Lavala and Erica Johnson. Um, so we just cracked open a new bottle um, of their Sarah. Tell us a little bit about what's going on in here. It just smells heavenly. Yeah, so Sarah's, Sarah's the one that's kind of that, like, cinnamon, Aperol, spritzy thing. Um, I think, for me, this is the one that feels the most like ending the night with something that feels like a little bit, I mean, just that, it's that cinnamon yeah. note. Yeah, yeah. It's soothing and like, I don't know, I, I think the, the cinnamon just kind of like puts me to a sleep in a way, um, <laughs> in, a, in a great way. Um, Are people using these um, in cocktails that you know of? Or yeah. would you recommend any cocktails? Because for folks who might want a little bit of alcohol, like the base flavor is so lovely in these that it's a nice compliment. Absolutely. And I mean, the one that we're drinking now, um, because it's got sort of like a grapefruit base for the for the citrus, um, I really love it with tequila or mezcal mm. in kind of like a spin on a Paloma. Um, the... Let's see, the Onda pairs really nicely with, um, like, herbal Amaro. Um, like, Montenegro and Onda is just incredible. Um, and then Capo's Easy. That's the one uh, that's kind of more alpine. Uh, I'd say it goes really well with a lot of gins and, like, whiskey. Um, mm-hmm. It's really uh, it's hard to mess that one up. Uh, <laughs> and then... Uh, Alta, which is kind of the Negroni, I just like to double down on that um, and do like, I'll usually do um, either just that with Campari or do like sort of um, more of an Americano, like half and half Campari and sweet vermouth and then pour that on top and like delicious sort of low ABV um, bitter cocktail. Yeah. And where are you sourcing a lot of these botanicals from? Hmm. So the citrus we get from Italy. Um, And then everything else is really just sort of based on, um, like, how do we... uh, Yeah, how do we find it as as close as possible, really? Mm -hmm. Um, So so all over the place. I mean, I think we've got, in total, maybe like 20 or so botanicals. Maybe a few less than that. There's some overlap between each, but each one has between, like, seven and nine mm-hmm. or so. And I have to say, it's so nice to pick up a bottle, and there's, like, literally, I can fit all of the ingredients on my two hands, um, which is so refreshing. Yeah, well, that's... Some <laughs> like, of I the, know what all this is. <laughs> some of the, the... One of the hardest things that we had to do when we were first starting out yeah. is, like, so much of the beverage industry right now has this or the soft drinks industry has this idea that you want like no more than four ingredients but like two or three of those ingredients are sort of catch-alls like natural flavors where it's just like no I think you guys are missing what we're trying to do like we want to connect people with the ingredients that we're using not like put up these sort of fake walls that make I don't know that make people feel good because 
you're lying to them. <laughs> like, that's kind of what it comes down to. Yeah, labels are very complicated and sticky yeah. across the food yeah. world. <laughs> um, I'm also curious what it was like. <laughs> Did you have something to add on that? <laughs> no, just uh, punching up. <laughs> yeah, take that. Um, I'm just curious what it was like to test out all of these flavors and like how you came to the balance that you've reached now. I mean, how many rounds did you go through? Yeah, was there anything that was like truly gross? Um, <laughs> It was never truly gross, um, but, like, I mean, I would say part of the, like, the best thing about working with Erica now is that we can, like, like, get a flavor done in an afternoon. Like, it took me just months of slowly, like, tinkering and sort of, like, iterating on flavors and, like, adding, like, what if I did just a little bit more of this or that? And so it was never gross. It just never quite, like... It would. It took me forever to sort of find the the balances that would sort of really light up my palate the mm. way that these do. And are you planning on expanding from these four flavors anytime soon? Are you sticking with these core four? Yeah, Erica's working on some exciting stuff. Ooh. Yeah, we're we're planning on doing like a classics line, um, which hopefully will be rolling out in the fall. You know, fingers crossed. Um, I don't know if we. Do we want to get into what that's going to look like? or Yeah, yeah. why not? Ooh, you heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> it's breaking news. Um, we're going to be working on our version of a ginger beer, cola. We might do a tonic water. Nice. We're, like, deep in the R&D phase of all of this, so expect good things. <laughs> I really, really, really want to do a Shirley Temple. It doesn't really fit in that that box, but, like, <laughs> I just want it so badly. And I, Have you guys seen the... Um, the Shirley Temple King. Oh, yes. Dylan, I've been DMing it to Hannah. Yes. Dylan just DMed it to me, and I was like, I love this, but I'm also deeply upset. She's making a children's yeah. show. I was like, bring him. It's it, Yeah, it's a little bit upsetting, but it's also just like, <laughs> I don't know, that was, that was me as a kid, like always ordering the Shirley Temple and just like... I think I like this one better. It's how you <laughs> developed your palate, clearly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We come full circle. You make soda for a living now. So. Yeah. I'm truly regressing in a, I think, beautiful way. <laughs> I honestly don't think I've ever had Shirley Temple in my entire life. Um, oh, wait for us to come okay, up with I'm going to hold yeah. off for yours. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Um, okay. Well, I think it might be that time when we subject you to HRN trivia. Um, now, our listeners are accustomed to some very fun sound effects, which the sound effects are on vacation this week. Um, so I am your sound effects. Um, and I have not seen the questions, nor has Jess in the booth. So if you need to phone a friend, um, ask for help. Um, Dylan is oh, the trivia excellent. master this week. Okay. I feel um, powerful. And so we're all playing for the same team. And HR and Happy Hour trivia is notoriously impossible to beat. So I believe okay. in you guys. All right, question number one. Where did the word seltzer originate? It's multiple choice. Germany, the Czech Republic, or Russia? Isn't it Germany? Ding, ding, ding. You are correct. Wow. <laughs> Very good. And I gave, I gave Dylan a little bit of um, Fordin family trivia. Um, I come from a long line of New York Jews. And um, most of my life until I like learned how to read labels, I thought that seltzer was spelled... S-E-L-T-Z-A-H. There's no hard R. So yes, it did originate in Germany in a small town of Selters, 
which is known for its natural springs, and they were actually thought to have healing powers in the 1500s, so right on point. I bought it. It does. Yeah. Uh, So question number two. Can you name, you know, now you have a lot of people on your team. How many synonyms can you name that people use to refer to seltzer? Okay. So there's club. Well, club soda is a little bit different. Are we counting that? We're counting it. It's, I think club soda is seltzer with minerals. Like in my own head. I didn't know that. There's, well, I guess we already, can we use soda again? Or like soda water. Yeah. Soda water is one, yeah. Okay. I was looking for at least three here. Can you go one more? Oh, sparkling water? Or fizzy water? Fizzy water. You got all four on my list. (laughs) All right. Champions. Okay. Oh, yeah. Ding, 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 ding. ding. (laughs) Thank you. Does using cold water create more bubbles in your seltzer or less bubbles? More. Ding, 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 ding. We got the experts in the house. Yes. I do find that with my soda stream. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, seltzer experts of the seltzer sisters in California say that the colder the water, the more bubbles and the smaller they are. Mm -hmm. Does that ring true? Okay. Couple more. We'll see if you can get five for five. What foods call for seltzer as an ingredient? Pastries, tempura, or sourdough? Uh, I do think with the with the tempura, you're going to use... Yeah. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. And matzo balls. Ding, ding, ding. Oh. <laughs> yes. Chef David Santos recommends using sparkling water for tempura to help make the batter light and fluffy. That's... I okay. have a... Erica and I, I think, share a dream of doing a calamari club. <gasps> <laughs> and one of the elements of, like, how we sell that, other than our club sauce, would be using... Casamara Club in the batter. You guys. <laughs> right? I love this idea. Yeah, we're just putting it out into the world if anybody wants to, you know, help us bring this to fruition. We're not really events planners. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, apparently, almond milk. Like, the some of these nut milks use seltzer in their ingredients as well. Or they no can. Huh. Yes. So. I wonder why. Hmm, huh. That's interesting. Yes. Learning so much. Yeah. <laughs> Final question. In the first six months of 2019, how much money did Americans spend on spiked seltzer? $50 million, $200 million, or $400 million? Is it price of prices right rules, or <laughs> to get it right on the money? <laughs> These are all just of the three, you know? Okay. okay. It's about, they're all approximations. So about is... 50 million, about 200 million, or about 400 million? I'm gonna... I think it's gotta be more than 50. Same. I mean, this was I... like the year of White Claw, right? Yeah. Right. But it was the first half of the year. Summer wasn't in full swing yet. And then there was the shortage which I'm sure depressed sales. So we're going yeah, in, tapped <laughs> into the seltzer market for sure. Um, Do you want to go with, we could go with 200 million. Kinda, I, I just feel, I, I don't know. I'll, yeah. I'm with you guys. You feel okay about that? Sure. I just don't want to get it wrong. It is 400 million. Holy oh, crap. About yeah. the precise answer is 389 million. Um, oh, so it's prices, right? Rules. We won. <laughs> On a technicality. (laughs) And yes, this was an increase of 210% from 2018. So, wow. Yes. People can't get enough. Wow. 
And do you guys, like, are you sometimes put next to Spike Seltzer in stores? Like how Maybe in people's minds it? sometimes. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen us next to Spike Seltzer, but I would almost like to see us there more yeah. than next to, you know, regular seltzer. Um, or in the mixer's aisle, which I think mm. can be limiting. Yeah. Um, yeah. We respect White Claw. Yeah, we want to be in the party section. It's basically yeah. what we're saying. Cool. Yeah. Is that all for trivia? That is all for trivia. You guys won trivia. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Where's our sound effect, Hannah? Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> and sometimes we have an applause sound effect. Yeah. Okay. We're going real lo-fi this week. Um, well, this was so fun. Um, where Do you have any like shout-outs to places in New York where we can sip on this? Yeah. yeah. Um, um, Sunrise, Sunset, Petra. Uh, we love Petra. Uh, Murray's, uh, Campbell and Co. in Williamsburg. Nice, nice. Green Grape in Fort Greene. We love them too. We do too. Got a <laughs> diner. Diner just picked us up. Yeah. Um, I think Olmstead. Nice. Those are yeah. all amazing yeah. places to be. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're moving in the right direction, as yes. they say. And counting. And counting. Awesome. And um, are our listeners able to order your stuff online um, directly? Yes. Great. Yeah, yeah. How do we do that? Uh, Casamarclub.com. Um, and then there's a little section for the drinks, and they're right there. I think you can also just scroll down to the bottom of the page. Um, yeah, 36 bucks for, for 12 Great. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you guys thank so much. Thank you so much. Thanks, Erica and Jason. Thank you so much to Jess Cranetich in the booth for making us all sound good. Thanks, Jess. Thanks, Jess. Thanks, Jess. <laughs> okay, thanks to Dylan Hoyer um, for being a damn fine co-host for the oh, first time thank ever. You. Thank you, Dylan. Um, Kat will be back next week. And um, yeah, happy Thursday, everybody. HR and Happy Hour is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.